0: A barber's apprentice named Robert Robinson was living in London when he had, according to one author, associated with a notorious gang of hoodlums and lived a debauched life. After hearing evangelist George Whitfield, Robinson returned to the Christian faith he learned from his mother, became a Baptist preacher, and wrote many hymns, including one with this famous lyric, Prone to wander, Lord I feel it, Prone to leave the God I love. The God of Israel was truly a fount of many blessings to His chosen people, although they had wandered far from their covenant relationship with Him. Are you prone to leave the God you love? If you are, return to Him today and drink from His fountain. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Find out next as we join Dr. Ron Jones for this Friday edition of Something Good. My name is Brian. Always glad to have you with us. Today, Ron takes us to the book of Ezra, written by a man of integrity who demonstrated all the qualities of a true disciple. Stay with us now as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message. Ezra return from exile.
0: And now that the temple is rebuilt, they're ready for the high priest to begin his duties. Ezra is an amazing, amazing character in Scripture, very impressive. Let's just start with his academic accolades. He was a learned man who studied and knew the Scriptures well. Uh, He was also considered an expert instructor and a professor. In our language today, he might be the the visiting professor from the seminary, who's just won all kinds of uh, academic awards. According to Jewish tradition, Ezra led the effort to compile the canon of Old Testament scriptures according to the Hebrew Bible, uh, according to the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. And that's, that's how the Jewish people even today think of their Old Testament scriptures in three sections, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. Uh, Jewish tradition also says that he founded a gathering of Jewish scholars known as the Great Synagogue. Plus, Ezra is the one, and this leads us into New Testament times, who instituted uh, the gathering in local synagogues as places of worship for the Jewish people. Um, uh, Ezra also reminds me a little bit of the Apostle Paul, a very learned man whom God used to write much of the New Testament, as inspired holy scripture, Ezra, you know, is, is a prolific writer as well. He's credited with First and Second Chronicles. He's credited with the book of Nehemiah, and of course, uh, the book that bears his name. And if all of this is true of Ezra, according to Jewish tradition, then uh, he is worthy of the special place given to him in Jewish religious history. And they really revere Ezra. As one of those those incredible Old Testament figures who helped lead the return uh, from exile following Zerubbabel. But even more impressive is Ezra's character. He was a man of God in three ways that I want to identify as we finish up today. First of all, um, he, he models for us, uh, again, that person who ascends into the holy presence of God Almighty. Uh, Zerubbabel shows us the way back, Ezra shows us the way up. And uh, he was first a man of integrity, a man of integrity who possessed a, a strong commitment to the Word of God. Uh, now is the time to go to Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, uh, really the key verse of the whole book, and one that I encourage you to commit to memory. It says of Ezra, for he, Ezra had, his, uh, had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Now, If you take out the part and do it, you're missing integrity. Because it's possible to study the word of God and teach it, never practice it yourself, you would be a person who lacks integrity. But Ezra is a man of integrity who set his heart to study the Word of God. You know, Paul said to Timothy in the New Testament, and this applies not just to pastors and Sunday school teachers, it applies to every one of us. Study to show yourself approved unto God. I always say a disciple is first a learner, somebody who just can't get enough of the Holy Scriptures. You set your heart to study the Word of God, but just not for knowledge's sake. You study it not for information, but for transformation. You study it to do it, to put the truth you've learned into practice. And then when you study it and you do it, then you're ready to teach it to others. And uh, in that way, Ezra is this this incredible example of uh, integrity in his ministry. He also modeled humility, a humility by depending wholly on God. Uh, Let's go to chapter 8 and verse 21 for just a moment. Ezra now has arrived in Jerusalem and it says, uh, he says, then I proclaimed a fast there. Actually, he's getting ready to travel there. He says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahavah, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. Um, There's just a sense of, of, of complete and humble dependence on God for the journey from where they were in Babylonia to Jerusalem. And we gotta give uh, Ezra credit for that. Now, you read further on in chapter eight and Ezra admits that um, he could've asked the king for a security detail. (laughs) And I would've suggested, Ezra pray like your security and safety is entirely up to God, but hire the security team. We have a security team all around this campus, um, and we, we pray over them, and we pray over this campus, but it's also wise to hire the security team that God will use. Well, Ezra said, he, 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 he said to the king, kind of overplayed the Lord's hand, the Lord will protect us, the Lord will protect us, and he says, I was embarrassed to ask the king for security. So he says he called a fast, at the river Ahava, and they prayed. Okay, you know, I I would have done it a little bit differently, but you gotta give Ezra credit uh, for wholly and humbly depending upon the Lord um, to travel the distance. And it it was many days' distance from Babylonia back to Jerusalem. So there's integrity in the man. There's humility in the man. And then finally, Ezra possessed this incredible sensitivity to the things that displeased God. Uh, His heart was easily convicted by personal sin and national sin. For example, let's just go to Ezra chapter nine, and I want to pick up reading in verse one. Uh, They've now arrived safely in Jerusalem, and um, It says, after these things had been done, the officials approached me, Ezra says, and said, listen to this, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands with their abominations, from the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has mixed itself with the peoples of the lands. And in this faithlessness, the hand of the officials and chief men have been foremost. In other words, the leaders have been the biggest offenders here. Ezra goes on to say, as soon as I heard this, I tore my garment and my cloak and pulled hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. Then all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel, because of the faithlessness of the returned exiles, gathered around me while I sat appalled until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting with my garment and my cloak torn and fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God, saying, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. What's happening here? Eighty years after Zerubbabel leads, I don't know, 48, 49,000 of the exiles back to Jerusalem. Let's just say eight decades have passed. Now Ezra comes. You know what's happened in those eight decades? The returning exiles went back to their old ways. They went down the same unrighteous, idolatrous pathway that led them into captivity in the first place. And Ezra's literally pulling out his hair and pulling the hair out from his beard, sitting down uh, on his face before God. He says, I am appalled at what is happening here. Did they not learn anything from 70 years of captivity?
1: Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message. Ezra returned from exile. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry, to ask our ministry team to pray for you, or to order selected resources from our online store. And here's something else for you. Today, Ron wants to bless you with a new book that goes along with the series that you're hearing now. It's called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Two beautifully designed editions that cover the Old and New Testament. And both volumes can be yours today as our thank you when you give your gift of $50 or more. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This is our way of saying thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, two three four five six now let's rejoin Ron for the rest of today's message Ezra returned from exile
0: pastor Ray Steadman makes some observations at this point and he says this this is a vivid reminder that the flesh within us never changes no matter how long we may walk in the spirit we will never arrive at a place where we cannot revert To the worst we have ever been, that is if we depart from dependence upon the Spirit of God. What an insight there. What a picture. And it's important to lay down and clarify a little bit of theology here. When you came to faith and when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, we are not now new and improved. All right, God's not in the improvement business of improving our flesh. That's behavioral psychology. Do better next time. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not new and improved, but a brand new creation where old things are passed away and all things have become new. And then the New Testament tells us as New Testament believers, walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh is the flesh, friends. The old you is the old you and it ain't never getting better. Do better and a self-improvement behavioral psychology plan ain't the way to grow in Christ-likeness. You gotta walk by the spirit that now lives inside of you. And because of that, as Stedman says, any of us, if we fail to walk by the spirit, we're that close to going back to the worst we've ever been because the flesh never improves. This is why Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The way we walk with him in the Christian life is to mortify the flesh, to, 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 to kill the flesh, to, to, to bring death to the flesh, because the flesh ain't getting any better. The old you ain't, ain't improving. It's the new life we have in Christ that must be activated. And we live by the Spirit because the Spirit of God lives inside of us. He comes to live inside of us at the moment of salvation, right? That's called the baptism of the Spirit. But then the New Testament talks about something called the filling of the Spirit. Baptism happens once at the moment of salvation. You've got the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit happens many times. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment experience whereby we say yes, to the Spirit of God, and no, putting to death and mortifying the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I, 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 I beg to say, many believers in Jesus haven't quite figured this out. They're still on the, I'm trying harder over here. I'm trying to improve myself. The flesh is the flesh. And this is why these captives, these Jewish exiles, when they return, given the opportunity, They went back to the worst they had ever been on the pathway to spiritual exile. Fortunately, they had a spiritual leader like Ezra who had a heart that was full of integrity and humility and a sensitivity to what displeased the Lord. Ezra arrives, he hears the report from the officials. He is appalled his heart is torn in two. When was the last time your heart was so convicted by personal or national sin that you responded like Ezra did? I long for that, to be in that place always where my heart is that sensitive to the things in my life or in anybody's life or our nation's life that is displeasing to God. And Ezra had the courage to call these people out, to say listen, Did you not learn anything from 70 years of captivity? Don't go down this path again. And chapter 10 records the repentance of the people. Uh, when, when, When their sin was brought to their attention, they were just as appalled at where they were going. And the book ends with a list of people who were faithful to God's word and who repented of their sin And after reading the book of Ezra, I'm compelled myself to ask God to keep my heart sensitive to what displeases Him, and then to have the courage to ruthlessly go after anything in my life, or if necessary, in our corporate life, that displeases Him. That's the way up. The way back, repentance and return, consecration and offering, worship and witness, standing strong and finishing well. The opposition will come to the rebuilding of anything in our life that is Godward, and that opposition comes in the form of the world, the flesh, and the devil, that is relentlessly after us every day. And You can come back, but don't just come back and sit on the sidelines somewhere and watch other people have a close relationship with God. Ezra shows us the way up. A heart of integrity, a commitment to studying and doing the Word of God, a humble heart before God, and a sensitivity to the things that displease the Lord, that make those alarm bells go off anytime you come close to walking down a pathway. The, 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 the flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit wars against the flesh, the Bible says that that 's That's the experience of the New Testament believer all the way home to heaven. Heaven is a place where there is no sin, there is no struggle between the spirit and the flesh, but when we are here, there's that struggle. The flesh will never get better. You're just that close to returning to the worst you've ever been or the worst I've ever been, which is why every day I gotta walk by the spirit, live by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit. Abide in me, Jesus says day by day, moment by moment, as we find our way moving closer and closer and closer to intimacy with the Almighty. I love Ezra. I love Zerubbabel, just because he has a cool name to say. Zerubbabel, right? You can't shorten it, you can't give him a nickname, it's just Zerubbabel, right? And next week we'll talk about Nehemiah, who comes back later and rebuilds the broken walls. We'll talk about building a better life. And then we finish up with Esther. What's happening back in Babylon? It's a fascinating story. Are you getting some sense of this historical flow? Because in the road trips ahead, we'll land in the wisdom books, and we'll talk about where in this historical flow the Psalms and Proverbs and Song of Solomon and all that were written. Then we're gonna talk about the major prophets and the minor prophets, because all during this historical flow, God sent his prophets to the northern kingdom, to the southern kingdom. Most of them had little success. Some of them had no success at all, but they carried out the Lord's work. We'll drop in guys even like Haggai and Zechariah, who ministered uh, to the exiles during those 14 years when they had stopped building the temple, urging them, come on now, come on now, rebuild the temple. It's just a fascinating read. That'll bring us up to about 400 BC, where after that, the 400 silent years. Not a prophet of God, not a word from God. All they had was their history and the word of God. And then Bethlehem comes in fulfillment of all of that. It's a fascinating, the story of God is fascinating. And your story and my story is part of that. That's what we're trying to get a grasp on uh, in the ultimate road trip through the Bible.
1: Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. Ezra returned from exile. And Ron, you spoke of this battle between the flesh and the spirit a little earlier in today's message and of walking in the spirit. For those listening who may not fully understand this concept, how do we as believers in Christ walk in the Spirit? Great question, Brian. First, let me say
0: that every believer in Christ already has the Holy Spirit living inside him or her. We don't have to ask for him. We have him. We possess him by faith in Jesus Christ. But to continually walk in the Spirit is another matter altogether that is to yield to the wisdom and instruction of God, to obey him, to crucify the flesh, and instead choose to be imitators of Christ. Brian, that requires more than a one-time conversion experience. It is day by day and sometimes moment by moment. Because as I mentioned earlier, the flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. And so how do we go about walking in the spirit? Well, start by renewing your mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, Brian, the primary way to renew our minds is by consistently feeding our mind and our spirit by immersing ourselves in the word of God. And we don't wanna read the word simply to learn it, but to live it. That's what walking in the spirit is. It's living out the word and the will of God in our lives. I've said this before about the armor of God. Uh, The Word is the only offensive weapon in that armor. Everything else is defensive. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and so on. All of them are defensive pieces of armor except for the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So how do we walk in the Spirit? Well, we carry a spiritual sword and get ready to use it. That is our primary resource for resisting temptation and instead submitting to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, Brian, there's a lot more I could say about how we go about walking in the Spirit, but step one is to be transformed by the continual and consistent renewing of our minds, which comes by reading, studying, and meditating upon God's Word. Without God's Word, that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and which is also the bread of life that feeds our spirit and our minds and our heart. Well, without the Word of God, there can be no consistent walking in the Spirit.
1: That's Dr. Ron Jones and some final thoughts about the power of God's Word to help us walk in the Spirit. Ron, before we leave for the weekend, tell us what's coming our way Monday as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Sure thing, Brian. Our next stop on the ultimate road trip through
0: the Bible is the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah's primary mission was to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And it occurred to me while I was putting this message together that uh, maybe, like the broken down walls of the holy city that Nehemiah was charged with rebuilding, perhaps some of our listeners find that their lives are in a pile of ruin and rubble. It breaks my heart to think of that possibility, but I'm sure, at least for some, it is true. So to those people in particular, Brian, I, I, I urge them to join us next time, because I believe the book of Nehemiah will inspire us to build a better life with God's help so that we can enjoy the abundant, joyful, victorious life in Christ
1: that he longs to give to us. Join us then for something good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Nehemiah, building a better life. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.